Welcome to the podcast, From Crisis to Connection. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'll be bringing the professional perspective. I'm Jody Stewart, unlicensed wife, mother, daughter, sister, friend, and neighbor, and I'll be bringing the regular everyday perspective. We are all about relationship recovery, and we'll tackle tough topics like infidelity, abuse, addiction, pornography, and betrayal trauma. We also focus on helping you build stronger connections in your most important relationships. So thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be with you one more time. And before we dive into our topic today, we want to tell you about a free course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. Rebuilding Broken Trust is not easy, and there's a lot that needs to be understood about how to make things better, especially in the first weeks and months. And we've created a course that you can download immediately using the link in the show notes, and we'll send it to you today. And it has information on how to support the person who's been betrayed, as well as things that the person who broke the trust can start doing to promote healing in themselves and in the couple relationship. So go check that out in the link in the show notes and we'll send it to you right away. Okay, thanks for that. And uh, we're just gonna jump right in here to our topic in this episode, which is a discussion about the difference between shame and regret, Mm -hmm. which they're both strong emotions that come up in this process. Yeah. But they can get conflated. Yeah, for sure. And shame has primarily to do with with a, a way of being, like a feeling of just brokenness. Mm-hmm. And regret has to do with regretting something specific. Yeah. But not a way of being, not who you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that sometimes, you know, regret may be, I mean, I think we chose this word regret over guilt because I think guilt, I think guilt can be a really healthy emotion, but I, I really love the word regret better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nuanced, but they're different. They are, and regret are different. They are different. Yeah. I think regret to me has almost like a little bit more action oriented. Mm. I was talking with somebody recently around this and it was like every time I think I'm trying to remember, I think, I think his wife said something like, you know, you like all these years you were checked out with your, I think it was an addiction and you were not there for our children. Mm. And essentially she was saying, you were a terrible dad. Mm. You know, our kids got nothing from you. Mm. And I had to do everything by myself. And, you know, the guy really couldn't- Is it true? Defend that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was impaired and, and there just yeah. wasn't, you know, just, rough. just wasn't there. I mean, you, yeah. either, you're either checked in or you're not, you know? Sure. So he wasn't there more. He was checked out more often yeah. than not. Okay. So what, what was interesting is every time this would come up, it was like, like a big part of him was like, yes, I know that's true, but I can't stay in this conversation because I feel so horrible about myself. I am such a loser. Like what kind, how could she stay with me? How could my kids ever want me to be in their lives? How, like he would just have this like interior collapse. Okay. Like you see those buildings that fall on themselves. Yeah. Demolition straight down. And that's really what it what was happening. And so his shame was just eating him alive. And what what's so maybe ironic about it and, and tragic is that when that's happening, he's once again abandoning his wife and children. Oh yeah. Yeah. In that perpetuating moment. the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. He they're not present. Which, not available. You know, yeah. in his in his case, the shame of the addiction, et cetera, all those years was that same dynamic yeah. of like, I see that I'm 
not showing up and then I can't handle it. So I keep not showing up to, you know, it's just that terrible shame cycle. Mm -hmm. But something interesting happened when I introduced the word regret. Oh, okay. And I said something like, so what you're telling me is you regret the kind of dad you were. And it was like he could have a handhold all of a sudden. He had, he like felt like he had something to hold on to. Yeah. Yeah. And that was an easier word. Like, yeah, I definitely regret that. Like that wasn't as hard for him to say that. And what's interesting is it still accomplished the same purpose that she was trying to do. Some accountability. Which was for the just, effect it had on the can family. we all just agree that this actually happened? Yeah. Because it did. Yeah. And so it's like the word regret allowed him to stay in the conversation. Okay. Where like you were a terrible father is almost like you are now and forever on your record permanent. Uh, the worst father that's ever lived on the earth and no child would ever want to be your child. I mean, it's just that has that feeling of like, well, yeah, I guess the only option is to like disappear. And some people can become suicidal when they are so deep in their shame. It has serious consequences to not shift out of that. Yeah. But I think regret still, I think, accomplishes the mutual purpose, which is to, you know, agree and own and start to get some traction out of that place. Okay. Yeah. I like that. So yeah, it's interesting that you use the term actionable, mm-hmm. that it maybe gives it, it's, it can be a springboard because yeah. I think there is permission, at least culturally, yeah. we have permission to say, yeah, I regret that because we can say that like that was then. And because I see it and I can say that I'm different now, it even implies an intention to be different yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Which we all need that. That's right. We all need the hope of, I really regret how that was. And depending on life and circumstances at the time, based on that could have been the best they knew or understood. Yeah. But that was then. Mm -hmm. And I regret that I didn't do better or couldn't or whatever. But here we are. Right. And I think it just becomes words if it's not followed by something actionable. Oh, yeah, for right, sure. Like everything. If it's ongoing, how could it be? Re- uh, how could it be a, re- yes, a regret? Yes, I, reg- I regret that. Back to my addiction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's happening. Right. Anyway. Tomorrow. Yeah, I regret being that guy yesterday. <laughs> Here I am. Same guy today. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think that, you know, you're right. It's, it allows you to, to regulate your emotions perhaps a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just ha- have some, a little bit of personal empowerment about it. Mm-hmm. And regret is not, again, like just culturally, like regret is not something that as a a community we feel like can't be recovered from. Right. Everybody has regrets. Mm -hmm. Everybody can look back and go, yeah, I wish I had been more mature back then. I wish I hadn't. I wish I had whatever the things are. Yeah. None of us get to escape. No, we just learn from rough experience, (laughs) making all the mistakes. Except Paul McCartney. Oh. Do you remember that story? No. Yeah, you got to tell it. Yeah, I watched uh, an interview with uh, him and, and Rick Rubin, who's a famous producer. Okay. And Rick asked him, he said, you know, Paul McCartney, who's written hundreds of incredibly familiar songs and classic songs, he says, you ever regret any of the songs you wrote? And Paul's like, well, no, I just write a different one. I just write a new song, uh-huh. right? Which I think Paul's trying to teach a lesson there, which is don't get hung up. You can keep creating and building. Yeah. But I, I think if Paul had been, I don't oh, know, well, a little bit more like- Precise, he would have said. Because he's writing a new song. Right, he's writing different songs. He's not. Yeah. So he's, yeah, he's and, growing. And creating is a whole And I know, I've listened to enough Paul McCartney interviews to know that a lot of his earlier stuff, you know, their, their later stuff in the Beatles and onward was a result of wishing that 
things sounded differently and that's okay. Yeah. But I, I love that response of like, you don't have to live in regret. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in these places. Yeah. Because you have the power to create and do something different. Yeah. And so you don't like the last song you wrote. You don't like the last thing you said or did. You have the power right now. Like you said, it's empowering. It can do something different and nobody can stop you. No. Like you're, you're a creator. Yeah. Every decision, every thought. Yeah. So how do you think regret is different than guilt? I mean, I, I do think they're different. It's nuanced, but I, to me, they feel different. And I, I'm just speaking off the cuff here. I've not actually like dug into this and researched it or anything. Okay. But, so, but language wise, it feels different to me. I would guess that it's about guilt is about, and maybe this is why we can get so stuck in it. Guilt is about, I knew better. I should have known better. Ooh. Regret. Is that possible? Is regret. I mean, you can have regret about things that you also have guilt about, mm -hmm. but regret also implies some level of not knowing. Oh, yeah. 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 Which. Well, that's interesting. So I, yeah. I don't know. That's I, think, I think that there's an application there. I think that I certainly am looking at my own life going like, yeah, there were things I knew I shouldn't do and I did them anyway. Yeah. Right? And you still regret those things. Yeah. But I think the guilt on that is a lot stronger because it's like, yeah. I knew better. You, yeah. I knew better. And regret is like, man, I was doing the best I could. Yeah. And I really was, I was like genuine. I was sincere. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, I think about just like, you know, parenting, for example. Yeah. No, most parents, we don't start off going like, I know better than to, most of us are just, we're so earnest. Yeah. You know, yeah. trying to do, doing the thing. Figuring things sense, out, working with think. someone who has their own personality and their own agents. I mean, there's just so much going on with parenting uh -huh. that the regret is like, okay. And I think regret allows you to stay in conversation. I think regret allows you to have a common language around pain, which is, yeah, we both agree that this is painful. We both agree that, you know, because I think the person that, for example, in this example of this people that were the guy, the father example I used earlier, I think in some ways she's saying this to him and she probably has regrets about how this turned out, even though it's not her. She tried to yeah. stop it, but she, yeah. I mean, the regret can almost be mutual. Like we both, it's sad. It's got grief in it. Mm -hmm. There's a layer of loss in regret. It's, yeah, it has this thing that really kind of almost pulls people together. Like, man, yeah. It's like this moment of, I wish that could have been different. And that's like both of them can agree on it. Yeah. Even though there is maybe, a, you know, more of an individual responsibility on the one person. Yeah. So just as you're talking about your own stuff, I just, in terms of where to go with this, I think if you find yourself avoiding conversations where there's accountability, dodging opportunities to just own things, you might just try on some different words. I think words are powerful. And I think using a word like, yeah, I regret that and standing in that well, might it, feel different to you energetically. It might bridge that kind of get a foot in the door of being able to make an apology, which is mm -hmm. acknowledgement and accountability. Yeah. You know, but just to say, I, I really regret how I showed up and yeah. I'm sorry that it had that effect on you. And I think that regret also contains the healthy level of shame that we need to change. Mm. I think shame. Yeah, because it's in there. I don't think, I know that there's sometimes this, we live in a culture now that wants to eliminate any feelings of shame. And I am not on board with that. No. I think shame is critical for communities and families to thrive. Just like any emotion. Yes. It, you, you have to strike like the temperate balance. Shame keeps us in check. 
Yeah. Shame yeah. is a- if you have no shame, yeah. you're an impossible disaster. Right. But if you have all the shame, you're an impossible you're an also <laughs> impossible disaster. Yeah. And for those of you who might be flooded with too much shame, us calling you an impossible disaster might make you feel more shamed. And yeah. we certainly don't want to cause more no. shame. But no. but we can get we can get ourselves stuck we in can that. We really get ourselves by, stuck on either side of mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So I think that regret has just the right amount of medicine in it hey. of the shame, which is I feel badly that I do have this reflex to want to hide. And it's painful enough that I never want to be seen this way. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I read this thing recently where they said like, you know, they've done a lot of research on the some of the healthiest people and they found that the healthiest people actually do care what other people think because they have healthy shame. Okay. Yeah. Right. This whole thing of, I don't care what people think I'm whatever I'm authentic. I'm liberated, whatever. It's not a thing. Most right. people are I narcissists. Sir, how I, how people are affected by me. Yeah. Yeah. Like to literally not care what anybody thinks. I mean, really, like that's just not a thing. Healthy people do care what other people think of them. And so that that healthy level of shame allows us to come back and repair and and fix things and have compassion and empathy and really hurt with the person we hurt. And so I think I think there's a softening that happens and the right amount of shame, the right amount of that medicine really is a powerful catalyst for change. It's been like that in my life. Like, I mean, I it's like that punch in the gut feeling that you can't get rid of. No, no. Without owning it, sitting with yeah. it, apologizing, working yeah. through it, letting committing it just slow burn for a while. To be different, yeah. committing to not yeah. keep falling into the same patterns, the it same- It should hurt. Yeah. It should hurt. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. This idea that it, that you should- Because there's, there's a way through. It's not just a, yeah. a life sentence. Right. I would never trust somebody that didn't feel some healthy shame. Like you- Yeah, it's, it's necessary. Necessary. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I think that's all I've got around this. I, I just, I really love this idea of finding ways to help people come out of those toxic levels of shame or to be shameless and to really engage in a, in a healing conversation so that they can feel more connected and actually do the work and not just get bogged down and spinning in their internal drama mm-hmm. because that's just so unproductive. Do you have other thoughts on this? No, no, I don't. Okay. Very good. Well, thanks everyone for being with us this week and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Okay. See you.